Hi, my name is Amber. My website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm a healer and a teacher, and my work is focused on helping to heal the core wound, life purpose sessions, and sacred union sessions. I've been a healer and a teacher for over 10 years now, and I'm trained in Reiki and shamanism, amongst other healing modalities. I've started I started this podcast uh, series a long time ago, but I've recently started a new series within the podcasts of the Taboo series. And so this is another podcast as part of the Taboo series. The Taboo series being that stuff that we just don't talk about, we feel ashamed to talk about. And it's the stuff that I talk about in sessions with my clients. Um, But it felt right to put this out there in the world. So this this podcast is focused on childhood abuse and in particular because there's many different forms of abuse but I'm just going to look at one particular form of it and that is violence in the childhood. So um, there's lots of things around this. Um, I think what I just want to look at as briefly as is possible in a podcast because this really is something to dive deeper into in sessions is just how that manifests in terms of um, adult living and some of the things that come up around healing childhood abuse. So um, I experienced violence in my childhood uh, from a very young age, from the age of four till the age of 12. Um, And it was pretty regular. Um, And yeah, pretty intense, you know, when I, I have moments of going back to visit it in terms of my own healing journey and I am quite amazed at how much I lived through in terms of the level of violence that came at me and the the kind of ferocity of it, if you like, and the um, unexpectedness of it and how it just became a part of everyday life, you know, and how my existence as a child was about um, <clears throat> navigating that. You know, was I going to get a beating today? Um, was I you know, was I going to have a proper meal today? Um, Was I going to be allowed to go to school today? You know, things like that mean that I lived my childhood from the age of four till I became, till I turned 13 in a constant state of fear and anxiety and shame and guilt and confusion. And that impacted, I think, a lot on the choices that I made, both as a child and a teenager and then as an adult, and the unhealthy choices that I made. And uh, many, many years later, as I was healing myself and I tuned to Reiki and I went into therapy and I, you know, did all the stuff that we do, you know, body work and all the rest of it to come to a place of peace in all of this, um, I stepped into the role of healer and I found that a lot of my clients were coming to me with very similar stories and so my story became my medicine and in, in the way that it, it helped me to assist others because I really understood what they were going through. Um, and it's not that I, I sometimes share my story and sometimes I don't in great detail but I think it's enough to say that I, I lived through a lot of violence as a child so I really understand what that's like to move through it when we're trying to heal it. My experience of course is particular to me and I'm not saying that my experience means I have carte blanche you know I'm an expert in knowing how to heal this but um, I offer a perspective coming from someone who survived it if you like Um, so that's one of the first things I would say when you're seeking out someone who can assist you in childhood trauma um, really seek out those that understand your story you know one of the things that I found on my journey was that often I'd be sitting whether it's in a therapy session or a healing session and I'm talking to this person that 
is here to assist me, right? That I'm paying good money to. But they don't actually get what I'm going through because they never experienced it. So they might have gone through, you know, that maybe their parents divorced or um, they had a difficult relationship with a family member, but they don't know what it's like to have lived through that as a child. Therefore, they're not really understanding where I'm coming from. They're not understanding my thought processes or my resistances or my fear or my defense mechanisms. And so I was coming up against that again and again on my healing journey of, you're just not getting it. You know, you're not getting why I'm being defensive right now. You're not getting why I feel scared. You're not getting why I don't want to step into the unknown. You're not getting this level of anxiety that's in my body because you've just never experienced that. And what I found gradually was that the people that understood me the most were those that had lived through those experiences. I I can't say that I've ever actually worked with a healer that's had the same experiences as me, but as I have refined my healing, as in as I have tended to myself more and more and, you know, healer heal thyself, I've found more and more practitioners who have a better understanding of of what what it's like to have had an experience like that. And I've also found practitioners to assist me who are very open about the fact that they don't know what that would be like, but they have a huge amount of compassion that makes up for them not really knowing what it would be like. Um, I think the missing ingredient is you, you. what you want is a healer who's lived through what you've lived through. So I don't think there's anything wrong as a client to ask your prospective healer, teacher, coach, um, therapist, what experience do you have of healing this particular trauma that I have experienced? So if you are someone listening to this podcast and you've experienced violence in your childhood and it is adversely affecting your life as an adult now and you want to heal this, whether it's through talking therapy or body work or you know, in a spiritual holistic way, there is absolutely nothing wrong as your first step in doing this to approach a whole list of people that you want to possibly try and heal this um, memory with and to actually ask them straight up what experience do you have of healing this, whether it's with clients or with themselves. You don't have to ask them, have you experienced this, unless you want to. They may not answer you because they might want to keep that private, but you can certainly ask them what experience they've had of healing violence in in childhood. And they may have a whole load of experience. They may tell you, oh, I've worked with, you know, I've worked with clients like this for the last however many years. Um, Or they may tell you that they have personal experience. But I think that is very, very, very important. It gives you a different slant in the sessions. It means that someone, there is a shortcut. It means that you're not having to explain what it's like to be a child in a house where you're regularly beaten. And it means that also what happens is that that level of shame of disclosure is gone. You don't have, not gone, but it's lessened. As in, you don't have to feel that level of shame of I'm disclosing something to someone and they could never get this. You're disclosing something to someone who's going to get it. And there is a huge difference in that. I certainly have found that in my journey is that when I have sat with those who have been through what I have been through, I find it easier to share and I feel instantly heard and I feel instantly accepted because they get it. They just get it. So that's your first thing that's the first thing that I would put out there as a suggestion is that if you wish to heal this and I really hope that you do then seek out those who have experience of healing violence in childhood or have experienced it and have come out the other side um the other thing to be aware of when you're looking at addressing this is that what might play out in your dynamics 
probably in every aspect of your life, but it will certainly be heightened in your dynamics with any kind of healer, is the same pattern. So the pattern being of you being the victim, of you feeling powerless, and then of you feeling angry and needing to push away. I mean, that's kind of a common pattern. So what tends to happen as clients, as survivors, is that we go to someone looking to help us. And if there was violence in our childhood and it was by a family member or it was, you know, more specifically than that, by a parent, we make the healer, the coach, the therapist, our parent. It just happens. And we project onto them all the unfulfilled desires that we had of this parent that abused us, but also all of the unexpressed anger that we have at this parent who abused us. So it's something for you to be aware of, is that when you're trying to find your healer or your coach or your teacher or whatever who's going to help you is you're probably going to lock into immediately wanting to connect with a dynamic that is very familiar to you Um, and to just be aware that it just because it feels familiar may not be the healthiest dynamic for you and you might be better placed sometimes working against your intuition and going for a healer a coach or someone that feels unfamiliar to you in their way of working because um, that will be setting a new pattern The other thing to be aware of is that you are going to be projecting. It's just part of the process. And the only way that we get better at handling projection, both in terms of receiving it and delivering it to others, is by just being mindful of of how we operate in the world, is by observing our thoughts and how we operate in the world. So if you find that you are in a healing relationship with whoever this this healer is for you, coach, therapist, whatever, and you're having these thoughts about them that are very anger-fueled, you know, or very emotion-fueled, unless they have done something to cross a huge boundary with you in some way, those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions are nothing to do with the person that's trying to assist you. It's to do with the stuff that's being stirred up in you. If you can become a compassionate observer of those thoughts in yourself and those emotions and go, oh, isn't this interesting? I'm feeling complete rage at um, a massage therapist or you know, at my therapist because they didn't respond to my email. What is this rage actually about? Because it won't be about the fact that they haven't responded to your email. It will be about the fact that you feel let down or abandoned or ignored or that your voice isn't being heard. And if you're able to observe that in yourself, you're then able to get better clarity and say, well, actually, this isn't about the therapist. This is about the fact that I felt that I was never heard as a child. This is what is stirring up for me. And that's gold. That's manner. That's the stuff to bring to your sessions. So I have experienced that in clients who have had childhood abuse, as in violence, in that I become their parent figure. It's not something that I take on and it's not something that I ever set up in sessions. And I always say to those who come to me for the core wound work that if we are dealing with some really deep stuff here, that they make sure that they have a support network, whether it's a therapist or a support group that they go to or just really great friends who are going to hold the space for them as all of this stuff comes to the surface so we can heal it. But invariably, every now and then, you know, something slips through the cracks and I get projected upon as being the parent. And the dynamic that plays out, and it is a consistent pattern, which is why I become very attuned to it and find different ways to navigate it is that as the parent I then become their savior in their minds so in the client's mind but I also then become the the aggressor so if I don't respond to an email immediately if I'm not available for a call immediately if I'm not giving them the solution to their pain immediately or taking their pain away 
on a time scale that suits them, I somehow then become the aggressor. I've let them down. I've abused them in some way. I haven't been there for them. But actually, the rage isn't about me. It's not that I haven't been there for them. I am being there for them in terms of the work and all that I can provide. But I cannot be there for them in the way that they wish, which is as the parent. And this is a very I won't say common, I will just say it's a very apparent dynamic in those that have experienced violence in childhood. And it's interesting for me to observe it as a healer because I'm sure I've done it as a client myself. I remember at at the start of my healing journey absolutely being enraged (laughs) if a healer of mine didn't respond to an email within 24 hours. You know, I'd be like, what is this? I've just sent you an email telling you I'm in pain. I need your help. Where the hell is my response? Why are you not responding to me? And I would think all these thoughts and be really angry at them and feel like they'd let me down and then they would respond to me and I'd either feel soothed or I'd feel even more enraged. And actually none of this was about the healer because, you know, to be perfectly kind of pragmatic, you send an email to someone, you pick up a phone to someone, they're under no obligation to rescue you from what you're feeling. They will assist you in your next session. You know, they, they can't assist you via email or phone calls. They can just help to to um, to hold a space for you a little bit. But the work that comes up in between session is the work that you need to kind of just sit with and be with. Um, as I've gone along on my healing journey and become more aware of my projections, I now realize that when I'm feeling that emotion about a healer, it's probably because there's a dynamic in our connection that's reminding me of a untended to wound from my childhood and then I go away and tend to it. But of course, if you're just starting out on your healing journey and you've picked your healer, your coach or whatever, and all this stuff is coming up for you, you may not be aware of that. So it's one of the other things to be aware of when you start this process is that all of this stuff's going to come to the surface, but it's really healthy that it comes to the surface. Just be aware that in the rage of expression, You're not pushing away the very people that can assist you. So that's why I think it's really important to have that conversation at the start, because at least then you're soothed by knowing that this person has an experience of what I'm going through. It doesn't always work, um, but it's something to go back to to keep reminding yourself of. So those are the two main things I think to be aware of as an adult seeking help for childhood violence. Um, I just want to look at what childhood violence does to us a little bit, just to kind of um, put it out there, really, because I think this stuff is never really talked about. Um, You know, we have films and and soap operas and stuff, you know, that that cover these subjects, but we never really talk about it. Like, it, it is still quite a taboo subject. And I certainly found in conversation, it's not something people want to hear. Like, they don't want to hear oh, I grew up in a home where my dad beat me or I grew up in a home where my mum beat me. I mean, the, the greatest taboo is saying I grew up in a home where my mother beat me. It's something that people can't seem to get their heads around. Um, it's kind of more acceptable that, that there is an alcoholic father who beats the child and beats the mother. Like, that's that's the script that we've been shown in movies and soaps and so on, but we've never really been shown the script um, of the mother that beats the child. And there was a film... I'm trying to think if there, I think there's a film called Precious and I think that film touches on this and I remember there being a film called Sybil that Sally Field was in years back and it's based on a true story and that was about a mother who beat her daughter and really did 
was very cruel to her, locked her in cupboards and things. And then it was about Sybil's journey to recovery. I mean, she developed split personality disorder. She was schizophrenic because the, her only way of surviving the experience was to split off, to splinter off as the trauma was happening. And then the story was about her recovery and her recovery of those memories and healing that. But I can't think of any mainstream program or, or you know, big blockbuster film that has their heroine have or their hero have a storyline where they were beaten by their mother in childhood like we still don't talk about this stuff so the purpose of this podcast is to put it out there because i know there's people out there that have experienced this and i know that the taboo and the shame and the guilt around it means that people don't want to talk about this in public but our freedom comes from talking about this stuff and this is how we break the cycle of it as well so it's important so childhood violence whether it's at the hands of a the father or the mother. So we're just going to look at parents. We're not going to look at siblings or um, extended family at the moment because that's that has other ripples. But just at the hands of the father or the mother has a huge, huge impact on us as adults. As children, we are vulnerable, right? If we think of ourselves as children, like little puppies or kittens, you know, we're vulnerable and we look to our parents. There are our gods and goddesses. They are our kings and queens. They show us how we can be in the world. They educate us on what is and isn't safe. Our world is a place, as babies, our world is a place that we explore. And it's sort of a given that it is safe. We only start to think that the world isn't safe because we get told that it isn't. But anything that is indoctrinated into us in those formative years from zero to seven, really, um, but zero to five are kind of the the really core years. Anything that happens in that age bracket, if you like, has a huge imprint on us for the rest of our lives. And it becomes very difficult to undo the damage of that. It's not impossible. It absolutely is possible. But it is extremely challenging because we're so porous. We're so vulnerable at that age. We soak in habits and negative impacts and and negative programming on such a deep level that it just becomes a part of who we are for the rest of our lives. And it informs the decisions that we make and the way that we operate in the world. And what violence does in childhood is it tells us that the world isn't safe, that we're not safe. It instills a low-level, constant sense of anxiety, shame and guilt in us. And it also means that on an energetic level what we have in our sort of system if you like in the cells of our body is the rage of another you know in healing everything is energy in shamanism everything is energy so if someone you know thinks negative thoughts about us it's almost like we're being like darts and arrows are being chucked at us because a thought form is energy if someone punches us if we experience an accident of some kind that's an energetic shift in our in our body in our energetic bodies and it changes the frequency of who we are we sort of have another frequency that's dancing within us so if you imagine that as children if you've been punched or thumped or kicked or slapped or you know beaten in some way by a parent those blows are in your they're in the cells of your body like they sit in your body that's not even your energy that's not your frequency that's the energy of rage of sadness of frustration of whatever it was that was coming at you that you're now holding on to and of course as children you know, how do we shake that off? 
I love observing animals and I love observing dogs and they have this thing where if a dog's just experienced something really stressful, the dog will just shake it off, you know, to kind of get it off its energy field instantly so it's gone. They'll shake off, you know, a funky mood in a room or if something weird's happened or you've told them off or they've done something wrong, they'll just shake it off. And it's such a great sign because it tells you that the dog is just kind of clearing their energy field and this is why animals are amazing. But as kids, yes, of course, we have different ways. We might go off and play. We might kind of scream and shout. Like We'll try different things, but there'll come a point when those different things may stop working for us or we're not allowed to do those different things or we lose hope in those different things actually even working, depending on the level of violence. So, you know, maybe the first few beatings as a child you were able to shake off. You were able to go, well, you know, mummy, daddy didn't mean it or they still love me or I'll just go off and play or, you know, the next day everything was forgotten. But if it's consistent and it's habitual, as in it's happening regularly in those formative years, it's it becomes a part of your energy field. It's the same with animals. If a dog is regularly treated badly or not fed or abused in some way, the shaking off is not going to work. Like, there will come a level when it becomes too much to bear and then you'll watch the personality change of this animal and it's the same with children. Um, children are amazing just like in many ways animals at forgiving. You know, little kids are amazing at forgiving. They will instant. they don't hold a grievance. A child can be hurt and still love the person that's hurting them. So it creates a duality in the child of, I love this person, I look to them for nourishment, I look to them for sustenance, for protection in the world, and yet the person that is my god or my goddess that I look to for all these things is also the person hurting me. I don't understand why this is happening. And that fracturing can have many different impacts on an adult it could lead to split personality and a sort of a fractured personality if you like but it can also lead to addictive behaviors self-sabotage low self-esteem um anger issues depression um yeah a kind of an inability to find a rootedness in life so these are some of the ways in which childhood violence can then manifest into adulthood and Sometimes people will say, I'll often hear this story from clients at the start of our sessions and then a realization is made that, oh yeah, 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 I grew, I grew up in a violent home, but it hasn't really affected me. And then we look at the adult who's kind of sitting in that session, and you know, why are you here? Well, because I, my relationships don't work or I'm not happy in my job or I'm not earning enough or, you know, it'll, it'll be something. That's why we come to healing. But there'll sometimes will be a disconnect. You know, adult clients will say, but that's not linked. You know, the fact that I can't hold down a job or the fact that I am not in a relationship is not linked to the fact that I was beaten when I was a child. And yet it is linked because of the defense mechanisms that we incorporate when we've endured violence as a child. So if you find yourself as an adult saying to yourself, the fact that I was abused as a child doesn't affect me now and yet you're not happy with the life that you're living right now, my suggestion, my invitation would be to actually track it back and maybe put the two together and say, well, perhaps the reason why there are things in my life that aren't going how I would wish is because I have adopted ways of behaving that aren't serving me anymore, but once served me when I was a child and I was undergoing that trauma. It isn't about blame, you know, it isn't about saying my life is shit because of what happened to me, because of what my parents did. Like that's not going to serve us necessarily to keep perpetuating that story. But it is about saying, Maybe my life doesn't feel as complete as it could because of what happened to me in my childhood. So if I can remedy what happened to me in my childhood, if I can make peace with that, maybe my life now will change.
What happens when we endure trauma as children is that we develop defense mechanisms, whatever those may be, whether they're escapism, so jumping out of our bodies or um, really active imaginations or um, other, other forms of behavior that help us cope with the trauma. And it's usually a kind of a shutting out of the world and escapism. You know, it's usually a disconnection of some kind. And that protects us and it protects us for some time. But then there comes a point in our life when that very protection is the thing that's harming us because it's disconnecting us from the world and it means that we can't connect at a level that we wish to, whether it's to attract more abundance or more love or more opportunity or just to be more present in the world, you know, to feel that we deserve to be in the world. It also creates really low self-esteem because as children we don't understand why this is happening to us. So we feel that we've done something wrong. So there's a low level of guilt and shame that's always in the mix in our DNA, in our cells if you like. And of course if we're feeling low level shame and guilt as adults, it means that we're not really going to feel comfortable shining. We're always going to play down our attributes. We're um, going to think low of ourselves. We're going to have a bad if you like, bad and inverted commas, an unhealthy self-speak, there's not going to be as much self-love as there could be, as there probably is with a child that was given all that love and affection that then grew up into an adult. Um, violence in childhood also means that um, we have a greater propensity to develop ad addictive behaviors and that's sort of self-soothing. So um, self-soothing as a child may have been any number of things from... I guess, eating certain foods or acting out in certain ways or um, whatever our escapism was to, to deal with that trauma. And as an adult, self-soothing normally manifests as addictive behaviors like alcoholism or, or drug addiction or sex addiction or shopping addiction, but at least some kind of self-soothing. And of course, with addiction, self-soothing... Um, it just jumps from one to the other. So we could say, oh, I don't drink anymore, I don't do drugs anymore, but we might find that our addiction means that we now shop or we now um, have addictive thoughts, you know, we're, addict we're addicted to certain types of, types of relationships. Um, childhood trauma also means that we are more um, likely to repeat those patterns of behavior in our relationships. So we will attracts to us or be attracted to people, situations, circumstances that have a very familiar resonance to them. And we go to it because it's familiar, but just because it's familiar doesn't mean that it's healthy for us. You know, animals do this. I, dogs do this. You know, they, they sniff out the familiar and they'll keep going back to it. That's why they'll, you know, they'll often keep going back to the owners that abuse them because it's familiar. And we are creatures of habit. We like the familiar. It makes us feel safe. But if familiar when we were children was abuse, we will still be seeking that out as adults and find ourselves in the same situations again and again. Now that can play out as finding ourselves in violent relationships where, you know, we're still experiencing violence. But it can also play out as just being in relationships where there are, the relationships are abusive in some way. It doesn't have to be physical violence. It could be mental violence. It could be mental abuse or emotional abuse. Um, or we can find ourselves in situations where, you know, we are the perpetrators of violence or abuse in some way. Um, because that's what love means to us you know we logically we know that doesn't make sense but when we step into that space of the heart and feeling and and intuition we're sort of back into a habit that 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 was enforced in us from a really young age 
So these are some of the ways in which childhood violence can play out in our lives. How do we heal this? Um, obviously, I don't think I can provide a solution to this in a podcast, but this is what my core wound healing work is all about. This is what inspired it. You know, the core wound healing work came from years and years and years of working with clients who'd experienced abuse and finding that it wasn't enough just to do you know, a couple of Reiki sessions or a shamanic healing that we needed to do something a lot more in-depth and a lot more structured, but also um, something that was a just a, a lot gentler yet yet really strong at the same time, you know, that it we needed to proceed with baby steps and yet be very, very focused on the end goal, which was to heal this core wound. And the core wound healing work came about through my own healing journey. So the things that worked for me, um, I then found assisted others as well. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it really grew out of a real desire to heal myself and to assist others. And it's, that's why it's a body of work that I've just been doing for years and years and years. And it, it still has a profound effect on people's lives when they engage with it, when they don't engage with it, they probably feel it does nothing, but um, thankfully I only work with those who wish to engage in the work and show up 100%. So that's a, a beautiful process to be a witness to. So yes, the, the, that is the place where we would discuss how do, how do we how do you heal childhood trauma, childhood violence, and it's it's not appropriate to discuss that in a podcast. But I think there are a few ways to look at this, and I don't think there is a right or a wrong. And I think it's important that you pick the way that works for you. So for some people, it works to say, this shit happened to me and it was shit and I'm angry about it and it was wrong and to just stay in that place. And I think that is a valid place to be in. Um, the only caveat to that is if we stay in anger for too long, we end up pushing everything and everyone away. Life, abundance, love, all of it. But it is a very recognizable place to be in and it's a very valid place to be in. And other people will look at it like this happened to me because I did something wrong, right? And then you get caught up in guilt and shame. And again, that's a valid place to be because you're at a very crucial point in your healing. You're at the point of self-forgiveness and self-love. And once you master that, then you're free. You know, the thing that holds us back in childhood violence is that we blame ourselves. We don't understand. You know, how, how could I be such a bad child that my own parent would want to beat me? Am I that unlovable that the one person in the world that's meant to protect me and love me unconditionally didn't? What is so wrong with me? Am I evil? Is there a bad seed in me? Is there something wrong with me? Am I unlovable? And once we're able to heal those things, then we're free. We're free of that story. We're free of all of it. And that is a journey in itself, and it's a profound journey that we go on. And the other way to look at it is, oh, this was karma. I needed to clear karma. I had karma with this family member. Maybe in a past life, I was abusive towards them, and I came back to experience what that was like so I could break that karmic cycle. If I forgive them, I break that karmic cycle. I set myself free. I set them free. And I learn how to not be like this in the world ever again. I think that's a very valid response also, but to jump to that without getting, you know, without sort of moving through anger and self-forgiveness is a big ask. I think we have to move through those other places first before we get to this was my lesson or this was my karma or, you know, whatever. And if we never get to that place of going, this was my lesson, this was my karma, I think that's all right too. But for some people that brings huge relief, you know, that's their way of looking at it. And if it brings you relief and it means that you feel free, then that's a valid place to be at. 
Some people will say I had a lesson to learn, you know, sort of tied up in karma. I came here to learn a lesson and what is that lesson? And perhaps the lesson is boundaries or self-love. So I chose on a soul level to experience things that were the very opposite of that so I could embody self-love and boundaries and strength. And perhaps that gives you great strength. It may not, but perhaps it does. So I would say pick the things that give you strength, but don't get caught up in those things and make them your mantras. You know, be open to other ways of seeing the situation. Be open to saying this was wrong and... I don't want this person in my life anymore or this was wrong and I refuse to feel guilty or this was wrong and I set myself free of the shame rather than needing to jump straight away to the soul picture of this is about a life lesson or karma or forgiveness or whatever. I mean, what I did for a number of years was just to say, oh, this was my life lesson. I need to go to forgiveness. I need to forgive. I need to forgive. And I was finding that what that was doing was just creating really unhealthy dynamics in my life in that I was very quickly forgiving the other person, but I was still allowing that unhealthy behavior to exist because I was constantly forgiving them. And actually what I needed to get to was this is wrong and I don't want to tolerate this in my life anymore and I choose to have different experiences. And that's when we free ourselves of the story. The story will continue to run out in our lives as long as we choose to keep repeating those patterns. So we have free will now as adults. As children, we sort of did, but a lot of our free will was compromised by the will of an adult. So we couldn't choose the experiences that we wanted to have, not really. Um, A lot of experiences were imposed on us. But as adults, we have free will, which means that we can choose to walk into the same experiences where we perpetuate the same stories again and again, or we can choose something different. And often that choice becomes an experiment, as in we're having to constantly in everyday life say, does this feel familiar, but does it feel familiar because it's toxic, or does it feel familiar because it's good for me? And your body will be the greatest gauge to that. The issue with childhood trauma is that our body, we feel, at some point let us down. Our body was the recipient of blows and pain. So we don't trust our body anymore. We don't want to tune in with it anymore. We have jumped out of it plenty of times to survive the pain. But our body will be our compass. Does it feel right or does it not feel right? Our gut will be our compass. And so that's the place that we need to get back to because on an intrinsic, intuitive level, we know when something is right for us and we know when it is wrong. And the thing about childhood trauma is that it just desensitizes us to our gut, to our intuition. Because of course, as children, we know that being beaten by a parent is wrong. And yet there's no way out of that. So what gets conditioned into us is that we are wrong, that we deserve the beating, that we've asked for it, that the parent is right and we are wrong. So we're constantly being told that our intuition is wrong. Then as adults, we grow up and we doubt our intuition and that's how we get caught up in messes and that's how we find ourselves at some point in our lives going, I don't know how this happened to me or I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did. So the journey becomes about undoing the damage of the past so you can come back to your true nature, come back to your intuition and start to make choices, start to make um, moves in the world that are um, based on pure intuition of what feels right, what feels good. Feeling good is a really good remedy for childhood trauma, self-care, doing things that feel good. And what children that then turn into adults of violence tend to do is push themselves, push themselves, push themselves to exhaustion, to not look after themselves, there's no self-care, because that's what they're sort of used to as children. Um, And it's sort of retraining yourself to find another way of being, another way of um, operating in the world. 
Again, you see this with animals. Like I've seen this with with dogs and like puppies that grow up in homes where they're not being loved enough or they're sort of being ignored because the kids are busy or the parents are busy or whatever. And then they hang out in a different home and they get treated in a different way. And suddenly all this kind of erratic behavior that their owners don't understand changes because they find a different way of operating. They're not having to fight to be seen. They're not having to battle to get fed. All their needs are being met. And suddenly the puppy, the dog is behaving completely differently because it's receiving the love, the unconditional love that it didn't get at some point. And we're the same as adults, you know, once we start to get that unconditional support and love in our lives that we have to give to ourselves as we parent ourselves, we will start to change and make different choices in the world and be different in the world. And so our world will change. I guess one of the other things around childhood trauma is that we believe the world is a scary place and the world is out to hurt us. And this just becomes self-perpetuating then. We push the world away, the world pushes us away. We feel isolated. We become more and more isolated. We isolate ourselves. So again, it's about being aware of these habitual responses that are no longer serving us in adult life and starting to undo them bit by bit. I think the most important thing to remember if you are a survivor of childhood violence is that you did nothing wrong. And that for whatever reason this parent hurt you, it wasn't down to you. You weren't unlovable. You weren't difficult. You weren't asking for it. You were a child looking for unconditional love. You came into the world as a pure soul. This parent that did this to you did this to you because they were in pain because only those that are in pain cause pain. At some point in your life, maybe you will find compassion and forgiveness for them. But if you haven't got there just yet, that's okay. The most important person to tend to is you. The most important person to heal is you. The most important person to give love and forgiveness to right now is you. Pick and choose those people, not only as friends and lovers and companions on your journey, that are nourishing for you, but also pick and choose those healers and coaches and teachers that will be nourishing for you. Often children that have been abused, the adults then end up picking abusive people again who are in power to assist them. So pick wisely and pick pick as if you were picking for your own child. You know, always imagine that you within you is a is a beautiful, young, vulnerable, open child that is looking to be loved and healed and soothed. So always pick from that place of wanting to protect and help and love the child. If any of this has resonated with you, if you feel that I could help in any way, whether it's through the core wound work or the transformation calls or um, maybe some of the, the online courses or the meditations, please go to my website. It's www.sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. There's a YouTube channel. There's a podcast channel. There are some meditations on the website. Um, there are some online courses that you can do. And then if you're ready and wanting and willing to dive into the deeper work, there's the transformation calls that you can you can book with me or, of course, the core wound work, which is really about this. And if you do feel that I can assist you in any way, it would be my absolute honor and privilege to help you to navigate your way through this healing journey and to free yourself of this story. Because ultimately, it is a story and it doesn't define you. 
It is a story and there will be other stories in your life that will have happier endings. This is a story that you can put to rest in a way that allows you to be the most empowered in the world, the most abundant, the most joyful, the most loving. That's what you're here to do, ultimately. You're not here to live and relive the memory of that story. www.sacredspacehealing.org Wherever you may be on your journey, I send you so much love and joy and compassion. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.